Hey, y'all. I know I'm kind of all over the place with this channel. I cover GMC stuff. I cover UMC stuff. I cover Methodism broadly. I do interviews. I've been going through the Transitional Book of Doctrines and Discipline. Um, if you get whiplash, that's <laughs> understandable. And uh, I'm partly sorry, and then partly I'm just thinking, you know, there are a number of things that need to be talked about that aren't in this sort of venue. If you've seen any of the episodes of my Bitter Medicine series, you know that I've um, had a hard word for conservatives because too often conservatives are not willing to do the hard work that needs to get done uh, as prescribed by the Bible and by uh, kind of self-obvious uh, requirements of being the church. One of those things that I have uh, spoken, you know, I've roundly criticized conservatives for being unwilling to do is speak the truth in love when they are angry or when other people are angry, whenever tensions are high. And that's that's the time that I think it's most important to speak. Um, and this morning I'm really angry. <laughs> and I'm going to try not to speak in anger this morning. I want to I wanna do what should be expected of all true believers, which is to speak the truth and love. Um, the reason I'm angry is because I was perusing Chris Ritter's uh, People Need Jesus website, which if you are not aware of it, you, you really should go. It's just an excellent update on what's going on in the UMC and the GMC and who's saying what. Um, there is uh, an online periodical called uh, UM Insight, which today published an article entitled, We Are All Hostages Now. So we're going to read through this article, but as a bit upset up to it, um, we're all aware, unless you've been hiding under a rock, that Hamas invaded uh, the southern border of uh, Israel a couple weeks ago to kill everyone they saw, uh, if not abduct and rape and kidnap them. Um, Hamas is a, a terrorist organization. It, it, it doesn't have a goal of being reasonable partners or treating their enemies with respect and acknowledging them as made in the image of God. Rather, Hamas is um, a death cult um, that is is based on the genocide of the Jews from the river to the sea. Um, is uh, Palestine will be free, I believe, is is the charge they they want to exterminate the Jews. This article is going to compare uh, conservatives in the United Methodist Church, especially those who want to disaffiliate from the denomination to Hamas terrorists, um, which is inappropriate on many different levels. Um, so we're going to address the substance of that. So one of the things I have a problem with is people who dismiss arguments out of hand and don't take them seriously. We're going to make our way through this article and consider for a second that the author, Richard Bryant, is not a crazy person, but is actually um, representing people that he is in covenant relationship with or who want out of covenant relationship with him in a way that is sober, fair, true, and godly. Um, there, there are Hamas terrorists in the world, and there are people like them who are not in Hamas, you know, ISIS, um, there, you know, there are people around the world that are homicidal in, in intent, and so... Uh, you know, it, it's been said that that I don't agree with this, that a, a good preacher preaches with a Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other, and that the job is to uh, 
use modern references to convey a biblical truth. So hypothetically, there is maybe a sermon to be given about how some people in the life and work of the church represent terrorism. Hypothetically, such a thing could exist. Is it existing right now in the United Methodist Church? Are people like me who have disaffiliated from the United Methodist Church, are we rightly compared to Hamas terrorists? Oh, I'm already feeling better as I'm talking about this out loud. I was just, I kept it all in and I was, I'm still shaking, I'm angry, but maybe I'll feel better as I, I read through this. Um, if you're listening, if you lean left, I, I, here's my exhortation to you, because you are going to hear me be a little bit angry, and my exhortation is going to be, how is it that you are going to allow yourself to be associated with people like this? You know, um, if if someone on the right were to say anything akin to this, uh, there would be immediate, widespread people disowning this saying this is in no sense representative, I'm really hoping that there is a, a very firm reaction against this from the left in the United Methodist Church. Otherwise, this sets the stage for uh, what, what is sure to be a heinous general conference next year. If, if, if voices like this are allowed to uh, speak and represent um, a certain perspective within the denomination, you have no right to expect that things are going to go well next year. And if you don't correct this, you are complicit. And I don't like people who usually lay complicity at the footstep. You know, I'm going I'm to talk about this in a bit. But you have to separate yourself from this sort of thing if, if you want to have a reasonable discourse. If you lean right and you're listening to me, uh, I'm going to exhort you not to let your feelings get the better of you, not to get enraged and reactive, but rather to understand that this is a crazy sick person who writes something like this. And Mr. Brian, if you call me directly, I, I, I would like to tell you this to your face. I would like to try and minister to you. It's clear that you're in a very bad place. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read through this article and take seriously what you have to say, but unless uh, something really weird happens, I'm going to uh, have some, um, some things to say that, that are not affirming of Mr. Bryant. All right, here, let's get into the article. We are all hostages now. We are all hostages now. In one form or another, we are in the grip of some form of religious fundamentalism. This fundamentalism will not let us go. The irony is they're trying to let you go and you won't let them. But anyway, let's go on. It is hard to tell if we are alive or dead. We exist in limbo while disaffiliation agreements are negotiated and ratified, we are hostage to a process. It is hard to imagine that paper ballots, votes taken via Zoom, and the fait accompli of actions taken at church and annual conferences have the same power as a person with a gun or a knife, but they do force unwilling participants to acquiesce to certain realities they might not usually accept because they are untenable and situations where the outcome is predetermined. Sometimes hostages make moral compromises to stay alive and sane. So immediately he's, he's getting into the metaphor here, and uh, the metaphor is that um, he and people who love the United Methodist Church and are happy to be in the United Methodist Church are being held hostage by people who are using paragraph 2553 to disaffiliate um, of course, you know, I don't think it's inappropriate to acknowledge that the people in churches who are disaffiliating right now are the ones who are feeling like they're being 
held hostage. And I would, I would submit that this is another example of the iron law of woke projection, that they are the ones coercing clergy and their churches to stay in covenant relationship with them. Otherwise, forfeit all of the things that the saints of the last 100, 150 years, some churches 200 years, have built up for the glory of God and, and, and to honor their legacy. The, the, the proposal they give to people like me seems like hostage holding in that, uh, well, you can go, but you're going to leave all your stuff behind. Um, this is not the perspective that he has. His perspective is that um, it, it is ridiculous that people should be able to leave him and that uh, he is not assenting to this, he is not agreeing to this, and because people are insisting on using what is now the only way out of the denomination, according to the Judicial Council, because they are doing that in good faith, they are the equivalent of Hamas terrorists. That's, that's what's being said here. Let's go on. Some of us have been forgotten, left behind, and no longer believed to be worth bargaining for. Others remain hopeful that someone is coming to rescue them from the fundamentalist and proto-fascist nightmare they've lived for the past years. So we are hostages. Hostages to an inserted paragraph in a seven-year-old book of discipline. It's talking about paragraph 2553 there. Hostages to congregations who choose which Old Testament laws they will or will not follow. Never mind that Romans 1 is quite explicit among a couple other New Testament texts. Yeah, forget about that. Hostages to a system of itinerancy that worked well for early pre-industrial age 19th century America, but is woefully outdated for post-21st century COVID America. What on earth does that have to do with this? He's just unloading at this point. So if anything, the GMC is getting rid of the itinerancy uh, more than the UMC, but I don't know why that would be brought up right here. I mean, this is just one of those things that indicates to me that this man is not stable. Hostages to those who would rather forget the past and move on without remembering the trauma the hostages represent. Hostages for no other reason than being at the wrong time at the wrong place because a pulpit was open and someone thought sending someone there, someone thought sending someone there was a good idea. This guy has a, um, a master of divinity from Duke, by the way. So we'll, we'll get into what institutions he's representing here. But uh, if you go to Duke, this, this guy is, is representing the kind of degree that Duke hands out here. Um, okay, so he's blaming itinerancy for sending these fundamentalist uh, conservative clergy to these churches that are now holding the denomination hostage. If you're not aware, it looks like when all this affiliation is said and done amid huge uh, forces standing against them, over a quarter of the denomination's churches will have left um, in the United States, of course, because they're not letting international churches leave because it is a racist institution. Um, as will become more clear by reporting that I'm going to do over the coming months. Um, he, he is saying that he and others are held hostage to fundamentalists like Wahhabist terrorists. That's, that's who I am, apparently. Uh, I'm not a person who, who uh, is willing to bargain for. Um, 
bargaining, compromise. These are things that leftists count on you doing so that you compromise your faith and get demoralized. I just got done preaching on 1 Corinthians yesterday where several times it exhorts the reader not to compromise, to stand firm. And that's what faithful believers are trying to do. You know, as he is talking about being held hostage against these people who just won't give in, the man is going to be very frustrated when he meets Jesus himself and finds him quite unbending and uncompromising as well. The the lack of self-awareness here is very and that's 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 the thing that I'm I'm going to pick on throughout this is this man is just really lacks self-awareness. There is a degree of narcissism involved in this and self-pitying and to a degree it's normal for everyone to isogete themselves into the Bible. To, to impose their worldview onto this holy text and to modern um, uh, politics, identity politics. But the, the degree to which this man pushes it, the hysterics that he is, is pushing it to can only go one direction, and, and it's violence and acrimony and nastiness. There is no way—I mean, when, when um, I think it was Golda Meir, she said— uh, you cannot negotiate with people who want to kill you. Uh, I'm, I'm, she had a more eloquent way of putting it. But that's the way that she talked about the terrorists in the early days of, of the state of Israel. And then that's that's what's behind this. There is no negotiating with these conservative fundamentalists that are holding the UMC hostage. This works hand in glove with um, Mark Holland and, and the uh, mainline UMC uh, call now to end disaffiliations. They see how many people want to get away from them, and rather than doing any kind of self-reflection about them having done violence to the shared covenant that once upon a time I was a part of, rather than assuming any kind of responsibility for themselves, they would rather cast the people they disagree with as fundamentalist terrorists. And I haven't said it in this segment, I've said it in others, to, to cast people who disaffiliate from the UMC and either go GMC or stay independent as far right as Mark Holland does. He doesn't say this term in, in this article. Uh, Mark Holland didn't write this. This is another, another gentleman. But to cast us as far right is so uh, tone deaf and unaware. I mean, what, what this represents is the fragility of the woke mind and the ways in which they cannot reckon with degrees of disagreement or nuance. There's just a very black and white frame of mind where this is my enemy, they're evil, I hate them. And that's what this is dripping with, is these people cannot be negotiated with. Um, and the, the hatred he feels towards us, he then projects onto us towards him and everything good and dear. He's going to call us a death cult in a minute, so get ready for that. Um, all right, so many of our worship communities have fallen prey to their respective religious traditions' worst and most intolerant elements. As such, United Methodism is not alone. Who are these elements? Cultists who follow literal interpretations of Scripture and shut down any conversation with moderate elements within their communities. Those who marginalize the disenfranchised and threaten others with death in eternity and isolation from society and friends in the presence. Hostage-taking becomes inevitable for anyone who disagrees with the cultists' narrow view of religion. First, they took the churches. Then they came for the messengers within the churches. We are all 
hostages now. How much more dramatic can you be? <laughs> I think he's making allusion to that uh, Holocaust poem. First they came for the gypsies, and I said nothing, and then they came for the gay folks, and I said nothing, and then they came for me, and there was no one left to, to stand for me. He's tapping in to uh, a century now of rhetoric that is meant to react against genocidal maniacs, and he's casting me and people like me, and if you're conservative, people like you into that mold. What's behind this paragraph now, um, and I'll put it back up here, is um, a refusal of ontology, the notion that God can speak clearly through the scriptures, that, that we have to interpret it in light of our modern, scientific, enlightened mind, um, the notion that there is a truth to the world, or that there should be consequences based on how people measure up to that truth. All of these things are, are called into question by this man who preaches in the name of God with uh, the mantle of the United Methodist Church. He's a career, I, I looked up his record, he's a career United Methodist clergy. As I said, he was, he was in, uh, uh, given his MDiv at, at Duke. He went to Harvard. Uh, well, yeah, I might, uh, he went to Harvard Divinity School, so I don't remember what Duke is. I might have been confused there. I'll, uh, well, I'll just go ahead and look. At, I've got him pulled up right here. And let's see, did I misremember? Harvard Divinity School and du Oh, he got, okay, Master of Divinity from Duke, and then a certificate in executive education and religion and religious studies at Harvard Divinity School. And in case you uh, haven't caught this part of the um, uh, news cycle, Harvard Divinity School is known for having something, several dozen, if not more than 100 student groups that laid the deaths in Israel at the feet, not of Hamas, but of the Israelis themselves, saying essentially they had it coming. Um, that is the quality of the scholarship that Harvard is generating among its student body now. And then um, this, this gentleman, I, I wonder how much, what, what's his name? Richard Bryant. I was going to comment, I, I might come back through. He doesn't look like he's doing well. Um, oh man, I, I haven't been showing you my screen. This is him, Richard Bryant. He's clergy fundraiser. Russian studies specialist, linguist. Um, so here's his uh, stuff at the bottom, Harvard Divinity School and Duke University. So uh, let's get back into the article, but this is the guy, he doesn't believe in ontology or truth. He doesn't believe that the scriptures can reflect uh, God in any way that, that doesn't need our mediation. Um, and he believes that those of us who see things differently, who do preach that there is a right and a wrong, truth and falsehood, and that the scriptures correspond with that and that we need to conform to that, we are fundamentalists who are uh, terrorists holding him and others hostage. Just, just so we're clear on what he's saying. Hostage takers believe in death more than they embrace life. Okay, so here's the death cult part. Religious hostage takers are a death cult. The idea of death is more important than life. They are obsessed with death for those whose sin is declared irredeemable and a good death for themselves at having jumped through God's prescribed hoops by persecuting the right sinners. So I, I meant to come to this earlier, but the man, I want to know who he's talking about. Like, does he know a single conservative? Is he friends with any conservatives at all? Because I don't know who even fits the bill here. I'm not saying that there's nobody in the world like this, but people who are in, who have been in the United Methodist Church and want to leave, they fit the bill for this? They, they, uh, I mean, I wonder, you know, I believe in eternal damnation 
and death. I believe there are consequences to rejecting Jesus, but as I warn people about that, I become part of a death cult because I'm obsessed with death and dying. When the inverse is true, I want to save people. I want I want to introduce people to Christ who's the only one who can save people. Well, according to him, there's nothing at stake. You're, you're freaking people out about something that's not even real. You're a death cult, Jeffrey. Um, it's, it's an inverse of the truth. He says, um, whether it is death in the present, such as martyrdom, or death that leads to an eternal life with God and some ill-defined concept of heaven, their emphasis remains on death, getting to the end of life, and what happens after we die. We are all hostages to a death cult. So the inference being here that that you know we we're believing in our silly sky god and and a heavenly realm where we go up and strive. He's mocking people with a traditionalist faith, and he's saying uh, uh, these people are holding hostage the true faith that I and others offer. So what should become clear by now is he is preaching something other than the Christian biblical faith. The question is, you know, and people have been saying all along, oh, you're just pointing to, to extreme examples. This guy is published on a, a, a platform that is read by thousands of United Methodist clergy. We've no, how, many, how many of these do you think there are? And this guy is coming out in the open. How many do you think closetedly people hold these beliefs that don't confess miracles, don't confess truth, don't confess the scriptures? They are part of an enlightened faith that doesn't believe any of this crap, and they use Jesus' name to promote it. That's what he's exposing here. He does not have anything representing, resembling a historic Christian faith. In fact, he sees a historic Christian faith as fundamentalist terrorism. He, within the church of Jesus Christ, is preaching an antichrist message. That's what's going on here. And if he is tolerated within the United... I'm not saying the man should be harmed. He shouldn't be killed. Uh, Conservatives, as you're listening to this, I don't want anyone reaching out and threatening violence against this man or being hateful. I am going to advocate at the end of this, if you find contact information for him, for his bishop, for his district superintendent, I want you with love in your heart to write about how this impacts you, how it impacts your ministry, how it impacts your feelings about belonging to the same denomination as him. Because... These words, you know, I agree with leftists. Words have consequences. I don't think they literally kill people. I don't think they should be compared to terrorist uh, tendencies. But I do think you can talk about harming a covenant relationship whenever you mischaracterize people this dramatically, whenever you (laughs) put someone in the role of a terrorist. That's just crazy. That's insane. Back to the insane man's article. Jesus was about the here and now, the present. Oh yeah, Jesus never warned about hell. Has this man even read his Bible? Jesus talks about hell more than anybody else in the New Testament. Oh my gosh, this, this man is, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> the kingdom of God in the present, he did talk about it in the present. He also talked about it in the future. It's a both and, the, the, the present and not yet. This is something that I thought every seminary taught. The man wasn't listening Duke, Jesus came to free the captives and the hostages. Sadly, it seems that some forms of Methodism are in the process of making hostage-taking and captive-making its new mission statement. Christianity was not intended to be a death cult. Christianity is a way of life, 
Over the past two years, the quickest way to be taken hostage was to proclaim a message of life versus words of punishment and death. Until now, hostages preached life, not life eternal, simply life and life itself. Jesus works out eternal life. The hostage takers are obsessed with death. Those whose message was life are hostages. We will all be hostages now. So again, this is projection. This is, this is um, ad hominem. But also, I mean, it's, he's preaching another faith other than the Christian faith. I mean, the man, if he actually read his Bible, would be offended by so much of what Jesus says. Actually, I guarantee you, he doesn't believe Jesus actually said what's in the Bible. He thinks that that was put in by the patriarchy uh, somewhere along the line. I guarantee you that. I guarantee you that. He doesn't believe that the scriptures are a, a witness to who Jesus is. Rather, he has a Jesus, the social justice Jesus, in his head that he expects the rest of the United Methodist Church to conform to. And if you don't conform, you are a terrorist. And he and other life-loving people are being held hostage by your hatred. You who are so hateful to believe what you read in the Bible, you who are so hateful to try and save people from eternal consequences, oh, you death cult you, he is rebuking you. The hostage takers are obsessed with death. Oh my gosh, this guy is crazy. Last paragraph, I will try and free myself. That is the risk I'm willing to take. I will not let my hostage takers have the last word. I may be a hostage now. However, now is not forever. I pray that all the hostages and human shields will be freed wherever they are by whomever they are held. So yeah, finally, um, a reference to the human shields. So yeah, these mean conservatives have come in. The conservative pastors have taken churches hostage who then get brainwashed and they want to join the death cult and then uh, they're using other human shields. Uh, so... <laughs> How do we process this information well? Um, I, I think the easiest thing to him might be saying, you know, if he's talking about freeing himself, buddy, you don't even have to do that. Just let the people who don't want to be with you go. Just let us go. I already got out. There are a lot of people, you know, do you remember? He's from North Carolina, by the way, North Carolina Annual Conference. Let's see, where I had the website pulled up. Hmm. <laughs> I am not seeing the website that I skipped. Oh, here we are. Okay. Now, if you don't remember, this is Bishop Connie Shelton. She has uh, published a number of hateful things about conservatives. She's also the one who facilitated a hostile takeover of Fifth Avenue, United Methodist Church, a property that was worth a lot of money, but they wanted to disaffiliate. So they scheduled a disaffiliation meeting, and she showed up with her cronies and closed the church, kicked them out, and has uh, been successful in court so far. Uh, this is the bishop responsible for holding this man accountable for his words. You tell me if you think she's going to do it. I, I think it would be good just to let Bishop Shelton know the impact that this man's words have on you. Um, there, I, I am going to, you know, I read through the article. I tried to take it seriously. I don't think it's to be taken seriously. Rather, I think the article indicates a soul that is very much tarnished by being in solidarity with an institution that has chosen to use worldly power to coerce people into unwilling covenant relationship. I believe that if there were no payout due and if that didn't have to meet a supermajority, if it only had to be made 50% vote, 
I believe that 70 to 75% of United Methodist churches would disaffiliate from the denomination. It's been in decline every year since it was uh, founded. It has been unable to exercise discipline, not uh, just among the bishops, but also against clergy like this who hate their uh, compatriots in faith, their brothers and sisters. They lay uh, the Hamas fundamentalist aesthetics at their ethics at their feet. Uh, before this, they were laying the deaths of the suicides of gay kids at our feet. Um, it isn't we who hate them. We just want to get away from them. We just if you're liberal, you know, if you're political liberal, that's not what I'm talking about. If you're if you're a religious liberal, if you don't believe in objective truth that corresponds with the Bible, we just want away from you. We don't want to be tied up with you anymore. And we just don't want to give you all of our money and buildings that 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 <laughs> I keep saying it like I'm in there. I'm not in there anymore. I left because I didn't want to be part of you anymore. You're in the position of holding them hostage with their buildings and their assets. And the lack of self-awareness to write something like this, the hysterical tone, the, the fragility behind it, says to me that there is a great mental instability. And it would be one thing if this was just some random guy raving on Twitter or Facebook. It's another thing when he's published by UM Insight. It's another thing when this guy is not gonna be brought up on charges or removed from his pulpit. Um, the, the man doesn't look well to me. He looks very un unhealthy. Here he is here, and then for the, you know, I mean, granted, it's it's not easy, but I mean, I'm I'm worried about this guy's mental health. If you didn't see it, I reported on uh, mental health stats coming out from Westpath about United Methodist clergy. I I think it would be right if you're friends with him, worry about him because this kind of language, this kind of hysteria. Not only is it bad for the denomination, there's no way it's good for him. I'm worried about his church. Um, let's see. Where is it? No, nope. that was just a random article I found about him. New Sharon United Methodist Church. That's, that's the little church he serves. I wonder, when a guy sees the world this way, whenever he sees people within his own denomination this way, what kind of messages he's preaching at the pulpit? You know, there is no way that this man is a stable presence mentally, uh, emotionally in the pulpit. I mean, what, I, I'm very concerned, you know. So uh, what else is to be said about this? I think it would be real easy for conservatives to respond in kind and write hysterical, angry diatribes against this man, against the left. I mean, Mark Holland is begging for it right now with the propaganda he's pushing. And I am going to try and talk about it, but I have to do it in a way that speaks the truth and love. And for you conservatives that are trapped in the United Methodist Church, you are in a hard position now because if you're just quiet and you let that stuff ring through the atmosphere and all your left-leaning friends just sit quietly and idly by, that stuff just sits and grows stale and putrid in the air, and that's what you're breathing at every annual conference you gather at. That's what general conference is going to feel like next year. This has to be roundly repudiated and rebuked, but it has to be done in a spirit where, I mean, provide an opportunity for this man to repent. I mean, he needs to repent. Provide an opportunity for Bishop Shelton to do her job 
and give him a timeout. I mean, obviously, you know, when, when my kids are playing a game and all of a sudden one of them's crying and, and getting way too into it, you know, hey, you need to sit out of the, the game for a little bit. You're, you're, you're ruining it for everybody. Uh, the United Methodist Church is, is getting ruined. And you can lay that at the footstep of people who take the Bible seriously. But, I mean, that's part of the doctrinal standards. I mean, that's, that's in the discipline you said you would uphold. So you, you can't get mad at people for obeying the rules you all said you were going to play. You and many like you came in refusing to play the rules. This is a metaphor, by the way. I know it's not a game. But refusing to play the rules as they were laid down you rebelled against them openly whenever the, the, the majority spoke very clearly in 2019 in every general conference beforehand. And now that you've won, you've won. You got it all to yourself. There's nothing that can make you happy because you are not well. You're miserable with yourselves. And because people are leaving you, you blame them rather than looking inside. And so I hope, Richard Bryant, if you watch this, dude, I want you to repent. I want you to acknowledge that you're not well. You're not speaking from a good and holy place here. If you're someone who sympathizes with him and you see people like me as a Hamas terrorist, I don't know what to say to you, man. You're not well. Um, this isn't right. You know, I, 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 I don't imagine there's anything that I can say that gets everybody on the same page for General Conference next year. And I would love to be a peacemaker. I would love to, to bring everybody together, allow for a gracious exit. I know very well there are some people that with their heels dug in, doesn't matter what you say, they're not listening. They're not going to change their mind. I'm not making a bid for them. Uh, that's between you and God. I'm making a bid for people who don't understand how crazy this has gotten, how crazy it's made people. And the, how, many, how many examples do you need to understand that even though— you and your church might be saying, whenever you give the monkeys control of the circus, at some point the tent catches on fire. You know, uh, that's why I had to get clear. Guys like this just couldn't be kept in check. I do, I do hope. I do hope he's given a timeout. I hope his bishop or his DS calls him and says, hey, man, this is way out of line. I hope you Insight takes this off the internet because it is not helpful. And just to be clear, I do believe in free speech. I do. I don't think the man should be arrested. I don't think he should be physically harmed, but when the man is trying to be a spiritual leader and it is so clear that he is full of bitterness and poison, then he should not be in that leadership position. So I'm going to close this by praying for him. And if you don't think I actually care about this man, I mean, I can't, I care about this man. I care about his family. I care about his church. But when you're spreading this kind of hate, you can't be in charge anymore. It just, you know, let's pray. Lord, it's been a long, hard, bitter time, and it's poisoned the spirits of many. The United Methodist Church has just become a, a toxic well of nasty sewage. <laughs> and there are a lot of people who want out, and they're being constrained by people who hate them and call them terrorists. And it's people like Richard here, and I, I pray for Richard. I, I, I ask that you would move in his heart to see his enemies— as people made in God's image, to not feel the need to discount them by, by um, putting them in with the most reprehensible behavior, but by understanding that, um, that not everybody is going to bow down to the Lord he serves and that it isn't his right to coerce people into that or force people into that. 
I pray for healing uh, for people who know him. I pray for for healing within the United Methodist Church as people like me leave. I, I pray that a spirit of grace would abound, that um, this rhetoric that is so heightened would just disappear, and that people could um, could have patience for one another again despite all the nastiness around. Father, if there's been something wrong in my heart as I've rebuked this man and his work, I pray that you would convict me and give me the integrity to apologize publicly. I pray that you would work in in the hearts and minds of those who've listened to me, if they're on the left, to, um, to cool the temperature in the room and make sure that people on their side act righteously, especially as they approach General Conference. I pray that you would give people on the right more integrity than perhaps they've had in the past to speak out with with patience but firmness that this is inappropriate and wrong, and to insist that um, if there is going to be a time of um, being constrained, restrained against their will, that they do it with um, not with anger and hostility and resentment, but to do it with boldness and maturity and faithfulness. Father, I thank you for those who uh, came along this ride with me and who controlled their emotions and uh, are going to choose to continue controlling their emotions, not being slaves to them. And uh, Father, I pray that that whatever actions are taken on the other side of this, that your will would be done and your name magnified and that people would be brought close to you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, um, everybody, I, I don't like... I don't plan on doing a lot more of these. I hope everybody behaves really well from now on. Um, I don't like the rage stuff, and I, I hope I haven't come off as full of rage to you. Um, I've been going for explaining with clarity uh, why this person is wrong and why it's so harmful. Um, but anyway, I, I'm interested in your responses, and if you do see something in me worth correcting, um, you can do that with speaking the truth in love to me. Uh, you can do it publicly, you can do it privately, you can write me at plainspokenpod at gmail.com. If you uh, think that I'm a good voice for people to listen to and would like uh, to give me more opportunities to speak publicly about stuff like this, um, then I would encourage you to go to plainspoken.locals.com. That's where you can support this, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to uh, hire somebody on to help me produce more content, more quality content over time. So. Uh, I don't pocket any money. I make more than enough from my church, but I am trying to build something here that can perhaps help the GMC and other bodies turn the temperature down so that we don't reproduce what happened in the UMC. So uh, continue praying, friends. Uh, There is no um, silver bullet to all this. There's just doing the long, hard work of discipleship and seeking righteousness day by day. So God bless you as you do that in your local context, and uh, the Lord see between me and thee. I'll see you next time.